Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Lloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey Griefsters, it's Cariad here. Hello. Um, I'm still slightly recovering from the British Podcast Awards, which I hosted on Saturday, uh, which was very, very fun. And it was so nice to just hang out with all the amazing podcasts out there. Uh, if you haven't already heard, the main winner of the night was an amazing podcast by George the Poet called Have You Heard George's Podcast? And um, I can't recommend it enough, really. And it kind of touches on themes of grief and loss and, yeah, deeper topics. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I thoroughly recommend it um as i've been saying for a while now we have a live episode coming up on june the 6th at the udderbelly festival south bank i'm going to be joined by jeff lloyd from the adrift podcast and reasons to be cheerful podcast from camille Yukan from birthday girls house party and josie long who also hosts shortcuts as well as a brilliant stand-up comedian head to the udderbelly festival for tickets um we're going to be having some cheery chats about death which i'm pretty sure you'll enjoy This week I'm joined by comedian, writer, actor and broadcaster Samantha Baines. You may have heard Sam on the radio, she's a regular on Radio 4 and Radio 5 Live. Uh, You might have seen her stand-up shows or her brilliant feminist videos she does for Stylist Magazine. And you might have also seen her in The Crown, our most regal guest yet, I think. And she's also currently the host of Magic Mike Live in London. So I think she probably has a very very good job, actually. Yeah, I think that, that must be a really enjoyable job. 
She's a brilliant comedian and a wonderful human, and she came in to talk to me about her dad. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with comedian, actor and broadcaster, Samantha Baines. Hello. Hi. Recovering from your new tattoo. Yes. And my period and your period. today, so it's such my a, womb is heavy. It's such a joyous, like, say, celebration of womanhood today. It's <laughs> a it? weird feeling. Mm. Had to pop into a shop to buy some extra stuff. Uh, I do you ever when that happens to you? I still think like Jesus Christ, I'm in my thirties and I can't, still can't have a tampon on me. Like what? I know. I, I, feel not well. I normally have them in every bag. Same. I have them in every bag, but then I did a clear out. Yeah. Of the bags, And when you change bags sometimes Mm. and you've used the spare one that you've had before. Or have you done the thing where there was a spare one but it's been your bag so long it's basically disintegrated. Yeah. And you think, is that Do I want to put that inside me? I mean, it's a bit dusty. (laughs) (laughs) Would it it kill me? Would do the job? Yeah, it's it's, it's tricky, isn't it? It's a fun time. I even have a a tampon drawer at home. Same. In the bathroom. Yeah. Got to have a tampon drawer. Still... I mean, this is not the topic I expected no, us to sorry. hit straight away. <laughs> I'm trying to think how can we swerve back into and other my things. dad loved periods <laughs> and tampons. And who? What family doesn't celebrate that moment? Exactly. My dad was weird about it. Actually, it was your dad? I think my dad just never really mentioned it. He he didn't mention it, but he was definitely like there was like oh, he just was like annoying about. It. I remember him being particularly annoying. Like making a sort of joke, trying to be jokey. I mean, yeah. being like, do not joke with me about this. This is not okay. Like, I think my dad just avoided the topic. I think that's like, safer. Sometimes I think that's safer. Yeah, I don't think he was like, you know, worried about talking about it for whatever reason. But I think he just, he just didn't. Fair, unfair play to him. I think he has, he will have bought like, yeah, when we were younger, he must have bought my sister and I like, period paraphernalia yeah and was cool with it <laughs> at some point yeah so i mean sam we've mentioned him already <laughs> who are we remembering today my dad <laughs> your dad so um how long ago did your dad die so my dad died on remember remember the 5th of november wow. so useful thanks dad uh he died on the 5th of november 2016 and what did he die of what happened oh it's quite a long story well that's so he right died of he had lots of complications. So basically, he smoked all his life. Mm. He loved cigarettes and alcohol. Um, but he, he smoked cigarettes for a really long time. And then he decided that maybe it wasn't a good idea. So he got hypnotized to stop oh, smoking wow. cigarettes. And it worked. My mum got hypnotized. And it worked. Oh and so instead, he smoked cigars. <laughs> um, so he literally smoked like 20 cigars a day, oh which my... is worse than cigarettes. Yeah. But he couldn't then go back to cigarettes. And then he got a lung condition. So we obviously thought it was down to the cigarettes, but it's a lung condition that anyone can get. It's not actually related. I'm sure cigarettes don't help. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so the way we realise is, it, like looking back, it was going on for a few years. Like mm. he used to bring me to university and help me carry all my crap up like four flights of stairs yeah. to my uni home and he'd get like really out of breath like on the way down but you know I just thought my dad's getting old yeah um and then when he was at work it happened a couple of times he's I remember he told me they went on a work trip and he got off at the tube and he had to walk up the tube steps and he got to the top and he like couldn't get his breath back oh. um and then so it's going on for a while before he went to the doctor and the doctor basically said that he had um a lung condition I'm trying to remember what it's called he had pulmonary fibrosis but that's 
a heart thing. He basically had a lung condition where your, you know, the cauliflower shaped things in your lungs. The brachioli. Oh, good biology <laughs> knowledge. GCSE biology guys is the, still in the there. Bro- broccoli. The broccoli. <laughs> the broccoli. Yeah. Um, they get sort of um like scar tissue around them. Oh uh, yeah. And then they produce like um. Uh, mucus right. to protect them and try and heal the scar tissue but that means it's harder to absorb oxygen oh, right. so you know getting your breath is really hard so it got it got so bad that when I was on holiday so I was in the Dominican Republic on a all-inclusive holiday which I really didn't like because there were loads of people there like drinking all day and partying and yeah. I was like I just want to lie down in the quiet <laughs> anyway so I was on holiday and I FaceTimed my dad and he was like in hospital with an oxygen mask on and like we knew something was wrong but obviously like that's quite a scary thing mm. to see um, and then from that point on, he was on oxygen 24 hours a day. Wow. So they would give him like little oxygen canisters that he could like carry around with him if he yeah, went out. Yeah. And then like a tube that went up his nose. And then at home, he had these incredibly loud machines. So like a nebulizer machine. Is that with, it, with the oxygen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, yeah. So it takes in the air and it... it makes it pure oxygen um and how long was he on that for like it was really quick that he sort of went on the oxygen and then just got worse and worse and I think in some ways it was like him knowing that he was ill now so he was on that for maybe less than a year like eight months to a year in his own home and so he used to go out with them and just carry a little oxygen tank on his shoulder but obviously he had to be careful because the oxygen only lasts for a certain amount of time so when we went out we'd have to like bring a spare one in the car or like time our trips so he loved the cinema we used to go to the cinema but we'd have to like time how long he'd got on his oxygen and stuff but then he got so bad with it that like walking a long distance got really difficult. Um, so then he got a scooter, which he hated the idea of, but I tried to make it like really fun and like went on the scooter and like drove around and was like racing and stuff. <laughs> and like, cause he, he, my dad used to be a policeman and when he was younger and he was like the tough man yeah. and he hated like not being able to do things for him and the fact that we had to help him the fact that like he couldn't walk long distances like really affected him and he didn't want to look he was like always like I don't want to look one of those old guys on a scooter but so then we started going out with him on a scooter but then it got so bad that basically the they said that he needed to really stay at home oh god um on his oxygen yeah so for and how old was he at this point um, fifty nine. Yes, it's young, really. Yeah, and it's and you and your sister. There's not other siblings. So just no, me right. and my sister and my mum. Right, so okay. him and my mum were separated. Right, okay. Um, but still got on really well. Yeah, and neither of them have other partners. Okay, well he didn't, and my mum doesn't. Um, so yeah, so he was you know suffering with that although he wasn't meant to drive but he rigged up this like oxygen tank in his car which is like highly illegal because oxygen is highly flammable oh my god and he like rigged it up in the boot and then put the oxygen feed like through the roof and it came out the steering wheel so he could use it and drive because he loved driving and just to get out and about oh my god that's hilarious yeah he was really funny did he have that sort of ex-policeman thing of like Oh, you know, if I get pulled over, I'll be yeah, like, yeah, Come I'll on, probably mate. know yeah, someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somehow get my way out. So, of this. 
Yes, and then he got like a blue badge, which he loved when he was driving. Because then that's we the could one park great thing about terminal illness. Yeah, I will say that blue badge. I know some people like the blue badges. I mean, everything's awful, but the blue badge is bloody great. Yeah. <laughs> like you can park anywhere. Mm. Was, so that was good. But um, yeah, so then it got bad, and he couldn't leave the house, which he hated because he felt really stuck. And my sister was moved in and was living with him at the time um and then he sort of deteriorated really quickly and, and were you he needed ni- to go into a home were you living nearby at this point not nearby but not really far right like okay yeah an hour yeah on the yeah. train away right okay but also he i don't think he let us all in on how bad he was and we yeah. kind of thought you know when something's happening it ju- you just normalize it mm. and you don't think oh this is when it first happened, I remember being really upset and like really worried. But then because, you know, life was carrying on mm. and we were kind of all dealing with it, we kind of almost not stopped worrying about it, but got used to it. So then he was told that he needed to go into a home and he started becoming really worried that he was going to like die and then me and my sister were going to come around and find his dead body because he kept telling us the story of like when he was a policeman like obviously he was exposed to a lot of dead bodies mm. and he was like you never forget how it looks and the smell and mm. you know I, I don't want either of you to see me like that especially if a dead body has been somewhere for a while yeah yeah so um he got really obsessed with like this idea and because <coughs> he couldn't breathe very well he you know the way he would have died is either a heart attack or basically suffocating yeah, yeah. because of the lack of oxygen so then, like, all of a sudden, this healthcare professional came around and was like, he needs to go into a home. And then we were, like, looking at homes, like, the next day. Wow. And obviously my dad couldn't go because he had to stay at home. Yeah. So, like, I found him his home and I had to, like, say yes or no. Oh, God. And, like, that was the place he was going to be and that's for the rest unusual. of his life situation as well because normally that happens when you are much older yeah and you are I guess you've had that process of like oh my parent is in their 80s and I'm there and you know I'm used to being the one that makes you decisions but yeah I guess it was that like the first time you having to make decisions for him kind of thing yeah and also like my mum has a nine-to-five job and I think my sister was at uni at the time Mm. so I'm freelance so I could go to these places so I was like there on my own in this care home like I don't know if this is a good room. Yeah. I haven't been to loads of care homes. Gosh. It was like, I was. I felt like, you know when you like find a home and you look on Rightmove? Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, is there a Rightmove for care homes? <laughs> like, how can I compare it but to other things? But there should be, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, but also there were only certain care homes he could go into because he couldn't right. climb stairs yeah. and things like that. So I found him, um, this care home, and the people seemed really nice, Um and they, the room they wanted to put him in only had a window. So I used my negotiation freelancer <laughs> skills and I managed to get him a room with like sliding doors that oh, opened out onto a bit of green, nice. which I thought he'd like. Yeah. So I like upgraded him. <laughs> um, <laughs> I see your offer. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, what, what can we do about this? Like, yeah. I don't know if you know, but I was in the crown. My dad had a nicer room. <laughs> I nearly mentioned that. I was going to say, I just, I just started watching it and there you popped up. And I was like, oh. Yeah. There she is. Yeah, yeah. I only have one scene where I look nicer and then I'm I'm dying. You're so dying, So yeah. I was filming The Crown when my dad was ill. And you're dying, if you haven't seen The Crown, and this is not a spoiler because it's the past, um, it's the episode <laughs> where they have a pea super 
which is this horrible, horrible fog. So you are in the thing dying of like this like lung disease sort of yeah. thing, isn't it? So I'm dying of like, yes, yeah, smog, chemicals and soot yeah. on my lungs. So my role in the in the episode, which is episode four, is like one scene I'm normal and then I progressively get yeah. like I find it more difficult to breathe and I'm like coughing up soot. And then I get taken to the hospital and put on oxygen. So it's really weird to be God, doing that at the yeah. same time as like my dad had just gone into the home and like I was going to see him and and um Oh that's really weird. Did you have that sort of slightly oh I don't know about yeah. I like, don't know. It's like, a great at job. the time I was just like great. Like uh, I know what co- coughing sounds like when you yeah. have a lung condition. Like you know when you just like put it to one side, <laughs> yeah. like, it's not even an issue. Um and actually my dad watched my episode of The Crown the day before he died wow. and sent me a text message saying that he was really proud of me Aww. and that we cough the same. <laughs> And like that was the last thing he saw me in. It's not bad. That's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty yeah. cool. But it was so weird that it was like a coughing. Yeah, thing. yeah. But anyway, so he moved into this home, and I think I think they were great, and the nurses were so lovely. But I think the problem is with that is like you know we wheeled him in, and he was like. I'm going to die in this room, like mm. you said that to me. And, like, what can you say? Oh, God. And yeah. and because I think you become really, like, institutionalised mm. in that situation. And he was surrounded by, you know, so at this stage he was still 59 and he had his 60th birthday before he died, so he was 60 when he died. But um, he was surrounded by, like, 80, 90-year-olds. Yeah, like, no yeah. one was his age. It was so sad going into the home, you know, every day or whenever I went to see him because... There was just like really old people mm. lying in bed, beds, not saying anything, or just watching TV and in these small rooms. And like the care home staff, obviously, were doing the best they could, but it was it was just a really sad place to be. And yeah. I think that's well, it's, so hard. It's ship, you know, it's a place where normally, like you said, eighty nine year, eighty to ninety year old people, eighty is a bit harsh, ninety year old go. Mm to live out their last days but yeah to have your last days when you're so much younger must have been really tricky like and and like the guy the the guy in the room next door like died while he was there and like to just be surrounded by death like it's hard because what else are you gonna do but um I think yeah because he got a lot worse and then in the home and he was in a wheelchair then and he couldn't really walk or stand um and at that time, I was organising my wedding. So, so the <laughs> to get my timeline. Um, had you been organising the wedding before he'd got sick, or had this been at the same time, kind of thing? At the same time, so he was sick already right. when my husband proposed. Yeah. Um, and then he was getting iller and iller whilst wow. we were planning the wedding. So when he went into the home. And then he was in a wheelchair. We'd booked our wedding to uh, be in Edinburgh. And then we started to realise it was going to be really hard Mm. to get him to Edinburgh. Because we'd need to, like... We looked into it. We'd need to, like, hire an ambulance to take him up. And then, obviously, have loads of oxygen on hand. Maybe take his oxygen machines with us. Oh, my God, yeah. And they were these, like, bulky, heavy machines. And they'd make such a loud noise, like, converting (laughs) the oxygen. Um... So, yeah, there was all this logistics and stuff. And then I basically spoke to my husband about it. Is he from Edinburgh? Is that was the... No, but no. <laughs> we met 
at the Edinburgh Fringe. Oh, I and see. And he proposed in Edinburgh. Yeah. And the day after he proposed on Arthur's seat, we went to see an Edinburgh venue just to be like, should we just go see a wedding venue? And it was amazing. And we were like, yeah, we're going to get married here. Aww. So we just like booked it the next day. Aww. So yeah, so we were planning all of that and... And it was looking like he wasn't going to be able to be there. And that was a really big issue for me because of course. I wanted my dad to be at my wedding. Yeah. Also, my gran died and then my grandma died within two weeks of each other. Oh, my God. At this time when my dad was really ill. Had they been ill or was it just they were just old? Or was it? So my grandma had been ill. She had dementia and she was right. in a home. Right. Um, my gran wasn't ill, but then she was taken ill, went into hospital, got pneumonia and was that your dad's mum the grand or the grandma my dad's mum was grandma with dementia right okay oh god so so his mum dies as well yeah so my mum's mum died Mm. and my dad had been really close to her and he wasn't he didn't come to the funeral right and it was at that point that me and my family kind of realized that it was really bad and Mm. and he was putting a brave face on it because he would have been there yeah, if, of course. If, if in any way he could. Um, and then his mum died and he obviously had to organise her funeral and estate and everything from his care home. Jesus. And so it was that point that we were like, my dad's not going to be able to be at the wedding. I really need him to be there. And I spoke to my husband about it and he said something which I will forever love him for, um, which was that we could get married sooner mm. near my dad. And then still have the big wedding in Scotland as yeah, the like, yeah. party. And that was so amazing of him because that's his wedding day too. Mm. And, it, you know, it wasn't going to be what we'd planned for. But he knew how important it was to have my dad course, there. Yeah. So then in two weeks, we like organised, we got a special dispensation to have our marriage licence go through quicker because oh, normally right. you have to give notice of like a few months. The, ba- the banners or bands bands, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, so if someone can complain about you, yeah, <laughs> they don't so want you to get got, married. We got a special dispensation to um, have that go through quickly because my dad was ill and then I booked a registry office like as near to the home as we could find and then I booked like a hotel that we could go to afterwards for dinner as near to his home as I could find and then we like organised one of the carers from his care home to like bring him and bring oxygen Aww. and so we had this like like little wedding service where my dad gave me away. So he didn't walk me down the aisle because he was in a wheelchair, but he waited at the top of the aisle and then like took my hand and like handed Aww. it over. And it was just so amazing that I got to be married with him there. Did you bore your eyes out? I didn't. It was oh, actually right. a really happy day. Oh, that's like, nice. And he like made a speech. And he made a speech. Yeah. Oh my god! And he even stood up for the beginning of it, but then he was like, "I need to sit down." Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, so it was really nice. And God, how incredible! Like the effort that must have been for him to do mm. that must have been. He was so yeah. pleased though. He was upset on the morning. I remember because I was like getting ready at my wedding dress at my mum's. No, at my dad's old house. Wow. And he like rung me and he was like, I should be there, like Aww. pacing up and down, downstairs, waiting for you to come down. And I was like, yeah, but I'm taking ages to do my makeup, so you probably wouldn't see me <laughs> anyway until we leave. And he got to the registry office like early and like, you know, gave me a pep talk. It was nice. I mean, the only thing was, because obviously he was on oxygen all day and going to the toilet for him was really difficult. So... Because the strain of like, you know, obviously you've got to get up, get on yeah, the toilet yeah. seat, pull your trousers down. Like there's actually, I'd never thought about it before, but there's a lot of moving that yeah, comes into yeah. going to the loo. Yeah. And and also he didn't want 
you know, anyone to do it for him. He wanted to be able to keep going to the loo by himself for as long as he could. So, um, so he didn't like really drink or eat all day. So he didn't have to go. Also, we all went outside to do a like, so me, me and Matt, who's my husband, went off to have photos and then we all went outside to do a like throw the confetti. But my dad stayed inside because he was like, I'll get my wheelchair out of there. It'll be a faff. And when he stayed inside, he was on his own and his oxygen tank ran out. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he was like, I mean, he's he's used to like, he was used to having a little bit of oxygen. See, I still say he was, yeah, like he is, yeah. because it's. I still think he's here half the time. But also I find it re- it's really hard to change it when you're talking about, like, the, you know, the, the a situation in the past. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like now. Yeah, like now you can say, oh, he, he isn't. But like there, it's like, but I'm remembering when he was there. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's, I don't, yeah. it's weird. But yeah, so we had this lovely little wedding, but when he, he had to leave early. What did he have? Did he just have to wait till someone come back in and be like, oh, by the way, guys, my oxygen is gone. Yeah. Oh, bless him. Oh, my God. Yeah. But it was fine. And we, you know, we changed it. But he had to leave early, like before everyone else left because of the oxygen. Yeah, you yeah. You know, because he's only got a limited time frame. And um, that was really sad when he left because mm. he cried a lot. And me and... But it was it was... It was almost like nice because for the first time, like Matt was my husband that day, yeah. and also he was there with me and my mum, and we were all crying like yeah. as a family and yeah. waving bye to him. Um, and then he and died how... in November, and I had my our wedding in January. So he, yeah, wow. so he was the second wedding. So he was dead before the second wedding, oh. and that was hard because yeah. even though he'd already been there for the small wedding. Like that morning, my uncle gave me away. And that morning when, you know, I put my wedding dress on, mm. I was just like, oh, I just, I, I burst into tears in the bathroom with my mum. And my mum was like, don't mess up your makeup. Because I just had a makeup <laughs> artist do it. But I was like, dad should be here. Like, I don't, I don't want to go out. Mm. Um, but I did. And it was a lovely day. And I'm sure he was there in spirit. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. Mm. It's hard, especially to, in a funny way, having had it once and knowing how nice it was, yeah. to do it again and be like, oh, I've done this once here. and it was really lovely. Why? It'd be great if he was here, guys. Mm. Yeah, that must and be And also really both hard. my grands went there because yeah. they died previously. But everyone mentioned my dad in the speeches and yeah. he was, you know, he was definitely remembered. But I still haven't told you how he died, have yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. So he, um, he had this lung condition, mm. got worse and worse. And then he, um, he basically suffocated. Mm. So At the home? In the home, yeah. Right. So he uh, had been to the toilet, which is was a lot of strain on him and he was trying to get his breath back after all that exertion and he couldn't and he'd signed a do not resuscitate mm. so did you know he'd signed that yeah yeah he told us early on it was nice because his favorite woman at the care home she used to make him like because he didn't like that he liked the food at the care home at the beginning but obviously he got bored of it because mm. he was there for a while so she used to go home and make him like um stir fry dishes and stuff and bring them like noodles and bring them in for him um so she was there with him so she like told us about it and she was like I was like you know hugging him in my arms and we went there because we were all on my Hendo. oh the drama continues oh my god 
previously so, on <laughs> so yeah so you guys are on your Hindu well you're on your Hindu your people are with you yeah yeah I was on my Hindu in Bath and um, my sister was with me and my mum and like my aunties and my cousins and all mm. my friends and oh <laughs> we had a butler in the buff <laughs> because I, I definitely wanted some form of nudity right said that early on um <laughs> So literally, I was like, mine. I was like, nothing. I don't want anyone nude. I don't want I just uh, everyone says clothed. that, but you only do it once. Like, I want to see fine some by me. No. man buttocks. So uh, we had a butler in the buff, and he was a really sweet, awkward <laughs> man who who had red hair, and he was very freckly, and he just seemed like mildly uncomfortable about the situation. So it was quite funny. So he'd just been there and been, like, feeding me chocolate and, like, we'd done, you know, those silly things where I had to swap my top with it. Like, he wasn't wearing a top, but he was just wearing an apron. So I had to give him my top and he had to give me his apron. We'd done all those silly, like, Hindu things. Um, And my auntie had got, like, really overly excited that he was there. (laughs) And so he had literally just left. Like, he'd put his clothes on and was going out the door. And my friend handed me my phone and was like, Sam, you've got loads of missed calls? And I was like, oh. So I listened to a voicemail and it was someone from the care home saying, can we speak to you urgently? So... I was worried, Mm. but I thought, you know, my dad had been taken into hospital. I never thought he'd be dead. Wow, so it wasn't, yeah, he, you know, I guess he was really ill, but he wasn't on death's door. Yeah, and I guess you've been in that process for so long. Like you said, it's very normal now. It's like, well, we've had weeks of this. Yeah. That's kind of what's happening. Oh, my God. So then what? So did you ring them or just... So I rung them and I couldn't get through because they were obviously trying to ring me at the same time. So then I got my sister and was like, the care home have called me. Can you try and call? I'll listen to the voicemail and see what they're saying. And then she got through and she looked really shocked. And then she said, are you saying my dad is dead? Oh, God. And apparently, and I was standing face to face with her in a corridor in this house we were staying in in Bath. And apparently, I don't remember, but I said, are you joking? But I said it apparently in this way where everyone in the room knew that dad was dead. Yeah. And then I shouted for my mum and my mum came out and like tact just left me at that moment. Like... Mm. In hindsight, I realised that I broke the news to my mum. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't think about I just went, Dad's dead. No, of course, because so you're, her, yeah, that you're was in like total shock. Really immediate. Mm. But um, so Emily carried on, Emily's my sister, carried on talking to the woman on the phone. And I just like sat down on the stairs, just like, what the fuck? Mm. And then my auntie came out. And tried to hug me and I just went, get off me. Because <laughs> um, it was like I couldn't have anyone touch me because mm. I hadn't processed what had happened yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah. And also, that's real. If she's hugging you, it's happened. Yeah. Like, oh, that's sad. You're like, and if you can freeze time, it hasn't, right? So it's mm. like, don't touch me because then I'm still in the moment where I'm looking at my sister and I don't know what's happening. Mm. I want to stay there. I don't want to move forward because <laughs> that's where he's dead. Yeah. God. And my poor sister, she's still on the phone to this woman, like... Because also, because it was do not resuscitate, like mm. he died and the paramedics came, but obviously they couldn't do anything because God. it was do not resuscitate. Yeah. So they were storing his body and we had to organise for like the undertakers to take the body like uh, uh, as quickly as possible. Oh my God. Um, 
so like they needed us to do all these things yeah. like straight away because we hadn't put any of that in place because like really none of us thought he was going to die yeah. you know then so like I think they were saying lots of things to my sister but we yeah. were just all completely in shock and then I, I, I always take charge in like difficult situations so I just said let's all go upstairs and sit down and hold hands <laughs> like that was I don't know why but that was the first thing that came into my head so me and my sister and my mum like all went into a bedroom upstairs and just sat down in a circle and held hands because like like practical magic the film or something like because to me that was Light what we needed feather, to do as a board. Light as a feather yeah but I think that's very human that's like I need to be touching my family because then it's real then we can start going okay what the fuck just happened yeah. I think that's so I think that's the thing what you know because these things don't happen to us a lot you know huge deaths like that luck we live in a time of peace and everything you don't know so your body just goes mm, your body goes mm, what you need to do is hold your mum's sister's hands something mm. fucking huge has happened and so somewhere in the back of your brain like your primeval voice is like this is what you should do go and do it and then <laughs> sit you just, down and hold hands yeah and I think why the fuck like what else mm. I think that's so human I think you've been when sometimes people say like oh and then we just you know got in a car and didn't talk about it I'm like that's like that's not what your body needed you to do your body needed to be held and cry mm. and cry and cry yeah but also yeah I did weirdly like take charge of the situation and then like people made us like sugary tea and our family came in and my maid of honour has since told me that so obviously everyone knew and some of and they were all my friends and a lot yeah. of them had met my dad so some of them were like crying and then my maid of honour was like right what can we do? So they started that's a tough taking made of honour job I mean, as well. Problem <laughs> I got your butler in the buff. I thought that's oh, I'd have to buy some bananas and whipped cream. That was my job done. Also, we were all dressed to go on a night out. We were about to leave to go to this like restaurant. So she like rung the restaurant, told them what had happened. The restaurant paid to put all of our dinner in a cab and send it to us because they didn't do delivery. Oh my How god! How nice. Um, so anyway, they started taking down all the penis paraphernalia because they were like, she's not going to want to see penises. <laughs> Um, and then we came down we, eventually we you know we came back downstairs like eyes red we'd been crying loads and um, and they'd all like got together and just made food because they were like what can we do we'll just yeah. make them loads of food so we had food that they'd made and then the restaurant delivery arrived in the taxi we just had all this food and then just like sat in my dressing gown with my family and my friends and sort of drunk Prosecco and kind of talked about my dad a bit but also just like other stuff it's and quite, I rung... what a weird situation but also like when in your life would you be surrounded by everybody yeah like actually so unusual it was, it was amazing because yeah. I had everyone there that I loved yeah. and I would want to be there yeah um, apart from my husband but I did ring him yeah. and he drove down and arrived Aww. at like one o'clock in the morning Aww. and like slept with me overnight and then we left in the morning um, but yeah, we had to get back in. So that was day one of my Hindu. And we meant to do loads of like activities the next oh. day in Bath and go to the spa, which I love, oh. which we didn't get to go to. So because we had to leave in the morning to kind of sort stuff out. And also at the same time, I'd covered, I'd pre-recorded a cover show on Virgin Radio. And I talked about my dad loads in the show. And I'd, and I'd played songs that he loved because it was a bit oh. of a rocky vibe. So I played loads of songs that he loved. And so in the radio, like actually at that time, we listened to me on Virgin Radio talking about my dad playing songs on the way home from Bath after he died. It was like so many weird, serendipitous things. That's really, do you know what's so, I think it's really odd. I got goosebumps. You were like, 
you were like at a wake and a funeral. Do you know what I mean? Like immediately, because like being around all those people you love, drinking and talking about, that's yeah. the wake. Yeah. So you immediately had that. And then you're like listening to the songs, talking about stuff. That's like a funeral. Mm. Like you were immediately in ceremonies of rituals of remembering him. Like, yeah. But that normally people are like at home or at the hospital and then they have to tell people and they're sort of by themselves going, I have to make phone calls and think of things. It's like it all came to you. Yeah. (laughs) Like the party was like, we're here and this is it. Like you don't have to do anything. I do feel like my dad, like if there is a way that you could control when you die, like my dad would have chosen to die then because he knew that we were all together and we were having, we just had a fun time and we were all drinking and, you know, he'd like, he'd like that I'd maybe doused my feelings a little bit with Prosecco. Um, But yeah, it was, there were so many weird things. That is so weird. So you're just in the car listening to you and his favourite songs. Yeah. And me talk about, like, why did I talk about him so much in that show I did? Like, there was no real reason for it. So, yeah. God, that must have been strangely comforting and awful at exactly the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, like, we lost signal for a minute and I got, like, really upset. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, But, yeah, it was weird. So that's how he died. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Adloyd. So then are you organising the funeral or...? Yeah, so then we had to... He told us that he wanted to be cremated. Um, 
so we we knew that and then we had to like go to all these meetings like pick a coffin which is yeah. remarkably like picking a kitchen <laughs> because they're like what sort of wood do you like do you want paneling you can pick the handles I know. um also i me and my sister just found the whole thing actually quite funny because it was mm. so weird and surreal and my mum like didn't <laughs> find it funny and was like why are you guys just laughing the whole time making jokes and I was like I'm a comedian making jokes is the way I deal yeah. with things um and it is weird so much of it like you said it's is so weird. so weird and the way they I I the way some of them speak that's what I found really odd like especially after my mother-in-law died like kind of and you know, would the body and mm. are you going to be and with the family like and some people like the undertaker for her funeral was so fucking good that I was like, God, this is a skill that you know, like he'd been you could just tell like the way he spoke to everyone was very calm and sympathetic without mm. being patronizing. But then others you were like, You need to work on the pattern because it is making me want to hate you and also yeah. I'm giving my husband weird looks because we're both like what is wrong with this person why are they talking like this is a sad thing that you're like okay so yeah it's it like they don't want to say dead or mm, something you're I know like, you work at a funeral home like, yeah <laughs> we know he's dead like yeah it's sad we're yeah. really sad but he is dead like, yeah you can say it say the word yeah it's like they use weird euphemisms yeah so we had to like pick a coffin and there were like paper coffins and I found that amusing. Um, and, uh, yeah, sort the funeral. And because he'd just turned 60, so that was quite young. Like, apparently, when the people are younger and they die, loads of people come. So there were so many people. That oh, yeah, I can I can vouch for that. The younger you are, the more people at that funeral. <laughs> because yeah. they're all alive. Yeah. <laughs> like, not everyone's True. dead. It's <laughs> basically... Yeah. Yes, it was like actually full house, standing yeah. room only. Wow. And uh, for some unknown reason, my sister and I decided to do the eulogy. A lot of people do. I think that's... And especially a lot of performers I speak to say, I, I did the eulogy because it's the thing I know how to do. I know how to stand up in front of people. Like, that's not that... Because for some people, that's the first time they've, you know... Yeah. Stand up in front of a crowd. But as a performer, you're like, yeah, that's not the scary bit. Well, weirdly, I did find it scary. Oh, did you? Because it was not comedy. It was more vulnerable. Yeah. And... Yeah, like, because I was talking... I guess in Stand Up, I am talking about stuff that's personal. But, like... I've got control of the situation yeah. and because it was so recent and like my emotions were not in control. Yeah. Um, so me and my sister decided to share it and she's not a performer. Um, and she, so we sort of, weirdly you like hold it together until you're bit. Mm. And then, you know, we did half and half. So like the beginning of his life and the end of his life. Um, and my sister had one bit where she just couldn't speak anymore. Mm. Um, and the vicar sort of came up behind us and was like, it's okay, keep going. And I just wanted to punch him in the face. Yeah. I was like, you're going to make her cry. And also, like, you can't punch a vicar in the face, though. <laughs> but what I find, uh, it's, I find that strange when it's like, I know you're trying to help, but you, why don't you just let someone be sad? Like, just let her not speak. You just give her a second. Yeah, give like, her, like, give her five He was like minutes. straight in, like, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, it's gonna be fine. It's creepy. Back off. Um, So anyway, um, then and she carried on, but then she turned to me and she was like, "Can you finish it?" So I finished her bit and then did mine. Um, Got loads of laughs. Great Great gig. Great, great. Um, And then, but then when we both sat down, I think we felt so relieved that we'd got through it that we just like bawled our eyes out. Mm. And I'll never forget, like my sister made 
these sobbing noises which just like ate through my being mm. and were like it was like, like she was howling like yeah. a dog, but not quite. It wasn't it's, like that. And that's that, again, that primeval thing of hearing another an animal in pain. Like everything mm. about you, your primeval brain is like, it's not okay. I have to help them or not be near them because like this, it means something's wrong. Mm. And I just, yeah, like I, it's so awful that sound, isn't it? It's just. But also, like I read somewhere, um, which I find actually really useful on the day of the funeral, even though it sounds kind of weird is that the funeral is not for you Mm, as the family Mm. it's for everyone else to celebrate them Mm. um and that kind of helped me hold it I think I held it together like obviously I did cry but like I didn't lose it on the day because Mm. I was like this isn't for us like we'll have our own grieving and crying time Mm. and we can go away and deal with that this is for everyone who loved him to come together and celebrate him so I felt sort of like I've got to keep it together and like keep everything going. I think the worst bit is after the funeral when mm. you have to stand and then everyone comes and like in a big queue yeah. and tells you stories about your dad and you're yeah. like, I, I just, I know you want to, it's hard because they want to share it with you yeah. and it's for them. Yeah. But you, I didn't want to hear it. Yeah. I was like, this is like the worst day of my life ever. <laughs> and here's some great Second facts about to him. the actual death day. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, here are memories that will make you cry later. Yeah. Um, but it was, it's sort of a lovely thing. And looking back, like I do remember some of the things they said and it was great. But like at the time I was just like, leave me alone yeah. inside. Um, and then we had to like, you know, obviously you go to the, we hired a pub and there was food and everyone was drinking and then everyone wanted to tell me more stories about him. And I basically like, I was like, I'd done the meet and greet after the funeral and then I just sat in the corner with my friends mm. and I was like, I just don't want to talk to anyone for a while because mm. I just... It's so draining. Yeah. And like you said, it's it's like hosting a party, but it's not your fucking birthday. Mm. And they're not coming to say, hey, I love you, here's a present. They're coming to say, oh, your dead father was great. So you're like, this is the sh- shittest party. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, and it's... My mum always says as well, like the day after the funeral, like how the, how drained you can be from having to keep it together, having to support the, the emotional like tension that it causes. Yeah, it's of course you don't want to spend constant hours being like, oh, thank you, yeah, thank you, oh, he was, yeah, thank you. You just can't, can yeah. you? you? Just. I mean, I don't even remember the after mm. half of the funeral, and and actually like. Um, because weirdly, after my dad died, I listened to your podcast, oh. The Mac Twins. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who are friends of mine. And that was, and they, they've they lost their dad. And it's a really good episode. Nice. Um, but that was the first time I listened to something and I was like, these people know what I'm going through. Because mm, yeah. I felt, you can feel so lonely in grief. I, I mean, I found that really shocking when I finally read something that said the part of your brain that is working when you're grieving is the same part that is lit up when you're depressed and I was like oh oh Mm. (laughs) yeah you feel completely isolated and alone and obviously it's very different to depression because you've got a fucking there's a huge reason as opposed to like oh chemically I'm just I don't know why this is happening to me but yeah it it literally makes you feel alone Mm. because someone you love very close has died so that's your your body is telling you you're alone yeah but you're not. Obviously, you still have friends, but you feel so isolated. I think it's so... I mean, that's why I did the podcast. It's so important to know other people feel that way. Because otherwise you think, God, I'm the only person in the world who fucking... And also, you're the only person who had the relationship you had with that person. So even like... 
you know, obviously my mum had a very, my mum had spent way longer with my dad than I had and she'd had a very different relationship with him. She'd known him, known him when he was younger. And even my sister, you know, that is more similar, but mm. she was the younger sister and and I was all, and she lived with him, you know, yeah. later in her life. I'd always been like daddy's girl and, you know, everyone always said I look like my dad. And so like we had such different relationships with him even. So I think his death has really brought us closer together because when we were younger, we didn't get on. I mean, I tried to push off a bunk bed when she was born because <laughs> she was stealing all the attention. Like You can tell I went into being a performer. Like I didn't, I tried to kill her on several occasions. Um, so it didn't bode too well for our relationship, but we're definitely closer now because of this shared experience. Yeah. And, and actually sometimes I feel like my sister's the only person I can talk to about it because she had the closest relationship to him that I you know yeah, similar yeah. to mine but I remember um going back to that Mac twins episode one of the Mac twins said that the whole first year was a complete blur and at the time yeah. I was in the first year and yeah. I was like I don't know how it could be that and now looking back like I really can't remember so yeah. many things like I remember the funeral and I remember him dying um and I remember, like, a couple of other, like, horrible, sad moments. Mm. But, like, the day-to-day, like, I just I just don't remember. And I think that's the thing that's so hard. When I, do, when I speak to people in the first year and they'll say statements, like, oh, no, I'm this or it's this. And I think, you, just, you don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. And you can't say that. And it's, I again, I know bang up on about this all the time. But it's the exact same as when you have a baby. Like, the first year is just mental. Yeah. And, and people keep telling you things and or they'll be like, oh, I don't remember that. But you're like, how can you not remember this? Is the, what the fuck is happening to me? And you get through it and you're like, oh, I don't really remember what happened. And I think whenever you're in such emotional turmoil, but obviously when you're in it, you just don't know you're in it, do you? You just think, yeah. well, I'm fine. And as you were saying that, I was just trying to remember how, I don't remember how we got back from my dad's funeral. <laughs> I was just like... Yeah, things just disappear yeah, because it, I don't remember that. And again, I mean that emotional drain. Like it just, I think you're just exhausted. You're just your brain can't. Your brain's processing death, which is the biggest thing it's had to process. So it can't take in what did I eat or do today. Like that's yeah. just nothing. Because it's like, how is someone not here anymore? And I find I remember really strange details. Like I remember at his funeral, I just bought this black coat. Mm. and I'd shown him this black coat because my mum had been like you don't need any more coats and I'd been like it's really nice though isn't it and he was like yeah I really like it and then when it came to his funeral it was the only I didn't have any black coats and I had to wear that coat and then I remember being like what scarf am I going to wear should I wear a black scarf like that just I was really panicking about a scarf and I have this scarf that is like double-sided and one side is like red tartan and the other side is like black and white stripes and I remember turning it so you could see the black and white stripes and being really particular that you shouldn't be able to see any of the red because it's a funeral and it should be black (laughs) like weird stuff like that I remember really specifically but then other things I couldn't tell you what happened I think as well anything you can grab onto and we Mm. talked about Emily Dean's episode as well like funeral outfits I think maybe this is a female thing become very important because it's like it's something you can control Mm. and the world is crashing around you, literally disappearing. You're like, I could make myself look okay when I don't feel okay. Yeah, and that becomes... I was like, I literally need to look amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think and that's my really dad common. would love it if I looked like but why I don't know because I was just going to cry mess up everything yeah. anyway but like I had red lipstick on like I'd done my hair like I bought a new dress that was black but had like a pattern in it and I was like my dad would really like this dress yeah. and like 
it's survival. It's also like survival. Yeah. It's like there's so much in that. And again, I think, again, it's that thing of the way women take care of themselves is so dismissed as frivolous when it's like, it's not frivolous. There's a whole other language going on in the way that we dress and look after ourselves or, you know, anyone who identifies as a woman feels the need to use that. And that's your language of protection and mm. communication and looking okay on that day when you didn't feel it. Yeah. That's like a way of surviving. Mm. And I also think like like... I've definitely put on the old red lipstick for funerals because there's something about being like, I'm fucking alive. Like, I will not be, ta- I'm not going to die. Mm. That you sort of, your body is trying to get you to be like, you have to keep breathing. You have to keep and breathing. And also like, I'm here and I want to make a statement yeah. that I'm here. So I want to look like, it's almost like I want people to go, oh wow, Sam looks great. Mm. Because it's like, I'm here and I'm going to be present. And yeah. it's my dad's funeral and I'm going to own it. Yeah. And like, I'm going to treat it like it's a big big amazing party <laughs> why? Like, but also that's or like, a wedding yeah, like why not like i think it's that thing again of because we don't because we don't talk about death and so no one knows quite what to do and it's like it, it's a huge thing that's happened so why not partly and that doesn't just because you look nice doesn't mean you're you feel great do you know what i mean or like you're celebrating oh, yeah. no, you know, like it was holding me together yeah yeah and i think <laughs> my it's my red lipstick and my dress yeah because yeah, it's like well girl. you know i've got yeah, and also scarf, I think, is so interesting. It's like, that's something that wraps around you, protects you and keeps you warm. Mm. Of course, right now, what more do you want than a scarf that you feel like reminds you of your dad? Like, it's just... And it protects that vulnerable area of, yeah. like, your throat and your heart. Yeah, yeah, and then that was wrapped around... It's, I, that's the thing, I like, I'm so obsessed with this idea that it's frivolous. Or, like, why would, why would you care what you're wearing? And it's like because I live in a world where that is judged and that communicates, that's how I communicate a lot of things. Mm. And that was doing something for me that day. That's why that... that But also, yeah, like, it was for me. Yeah. It was like, I want to look amazing. Like, I didn't care if no one thought I actually did. (laughs) I felt like I looked amazing. It, like, yeah, it helped me on that day. So you're coming up to the second anniversary. Yes. Um, How are you feeling at the moment? Like, obviously, you've... The first anniversary, I do think, is one of the strangest, weirdest things ever. But as you approach the second one, do you feel like... Do you feel like, okay, I got through that first year? Or is it still... Are you piecing yourself back together? What what I find... What we as a family find really difficult is, like, what to do oh, on yeah. the anniversary. Mm. Because, like, should you do something... Because also, it's not just the anniversary. It's, like, his birthday yeah. and, like... You know, we used to go to his house for Christmas. So it's all of those things. It's like, should you do something for you that's going to make you feel better? Should you do something that he would have liked to do? So I think the first year we just went for, like, lunch at this pub that he really loved that Mm. we used to go to with him. And then for his birthday, I think we went on, like, a spa day into the cinema just (laughs) to make us feel like almost like a distraction rather than... It's like you want to sort of celebrate them on that day. And also everyone feels different about it. Like I want to just talk about him on that day. But like my mum doesn't process stuff like that. So Mm. actually that day is so hard for her anyway Mm. that talking about it would make it harder. Yeah, we we talk about this a lot on Twitter. And I often get people tweeting me being like, oh, it's like, what am I meant to do? Yeah, And I always retweet it and I'm like, hey, guys. (laughs) Hey, griefsters. What do you think? And the consistent answer is like do what you feel like yeah. even if you plan something 
two weeks before you're like yeah we're definitely going to go to the cinema we're definitely going to do that and you all wake up on the day and you're like I don't want to don't do it I think you just have yeah. to go with exactly what you want to do on the day exactly how you feel and it changes I think that's the thing is we used to always be together that was a big thing like we have to be together on the anniversary and then obviously it gets harder to be together or things are happening and now I try and like like we've even got to the point where like we don't do stuff on the day but it'll be like the weekend of it I'll be like to my mum should we maybe remember like it's someone's birthday yeah like yeah like yeah we can't do the Wednesday but like but yeah because I think as time goes on I try and treat it as let's just try and not even remember him let's just try and be with each other mm. and connect a bit in that way of like you know like oh yeah, like, I'll just go and do something nice with my mum. And then, like, halfway through the day, I'll be like, so, you know, it's dad's anniversary. <laughs> like, we'll kind of, like, bring it up. But it, mm. it, it dominates less. And I think the anniversaries, although, don't get me wrong, they still really can be really, really hard. And that day for me is still a tough day. I think the early anniversaries are tricky. And I would always say just literally do do what you feel but I think the main thing I always think is just be with the people you want to be yeah, with yeah I think at the moment I couldn't handle it on my own no like no, I need yeah. to be with other people but weirdly I find his birthday harder than oh really because in our yeah. family we've always made a big deal of birthdays yeah um, so his birthday and also my birthday because mm. he would always make a big deal of my oh, birthday yeah. and I'd always see him so like weirdly those I find more difficult but uh, you know I'm not even two years in yet and I definitely don't feel like like I definitely don't feel like I'm through anything mm. I just feel like it's carrying on yeah. like I feel like the first year was a complete like whirlwind of emotion and I do feel like I'm starting to deal with some of the emotions and you know I've been able to talk about it without crying <laughs> my counsellor would be so bad <laughs> um, but yeah I'm still seeing a counsellor like about my grief and also I have anxiety mm. and, and around the time you know, after my dad's death, I did get really sad and went to the doctor. And I am on medication for depression and anxiety. Oh, wow. Did you have anxiety beforehand? Yeah, I've always had clinical anxiety. See, I have to say, my experience, and I'm not a doctor, um, I think grief makes anxiety so much worse. Yeah, so and also much the worse. line between anxiety and depression is yeah. very, you know, thin. So yeah. it's very easy to move from one into the other. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's it's that you know, the thoughts going round in a circle, yeah. never finding any end. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and with grief, obviously, that makes it... Like like me fixating on the way that he died. Yeah, yeah. Because he didn't want to die like that. Like, that was so hard for me for so long. Mm. Um, and, you know, you, you just fixate on, like, random things. That's the one thing I also find interesting, that as you move away from it... And this is the bullshit. It's not that time heals. You process things. It doesn't fix it but I do think uh, when you're in the early stages how they died and the the medicalization is really present mm. so when I, I for the beginning could only remember him as sick like I'd try and remember a healthy man and I was yeah. like I can't see it and I could only remember I can still see it the out it was an outfit he wore it's like jumper and tracksuit that um yeah like even now think about it, he wore like a lot when he was sick and I could only see that and again, the obsessive thoughts, you know, I could just be like, I want to see something else. No, no. My brain would be like, hello, here's a photo. This mm. is what... And I just found 
just very, very slowly. And it's I think it's shock because something so shocking has happened. And, you know, when he was ill, like you said, even though it happened over, you know, a period of time, you're still processing that almost. Your brain's still going, okay, he was ill and that's what happened. You know, you're still going through things that happened before they died. But slowly as I got through, and I'm not saying like... Uh, I, I hate this is just my process I think like maybe three or four years in I moved away from the sickness and I started remembering healthier things and that was I found that really like just like like I'd open a window like oh yeah just to somehow have processed that bit that they, they were ill because you just have to keep unfortunately I think your brain is trying to figure out what happened so it just keeps going yeah, but look at this, look at this, look at this. Mm. You know, they were sick and you're like, I know they were sick, stop, t- stop telling me. Well, yeah, it's literally only been in like the last month and a half that I've started remembering him yeah. when he was healthy. Yeah. Because obviously he was on the oxygen, he got very frail, he was in a wheelchair, so he wasn't mm. using his muscles anymore. So he really became very different looking mm. to the way he once was and very fragile looking. And yeah, for so long, I could only remember him like that. And it's horrible. And weirdly now, if I picture him, I remember him well. And I found this photo, which I've put on my phone of him well, like a few years before. That's a good idea. Um, But still now, you know, every time I open my phone and see that photo, I get a little (gasps) punch Mm. in my heart. But yeah, seeing, seeing him well is such a nice thing. What stayed with me, weirdly, are the the noises Mm. so also I got um I got a hearing aid like last July so six months or so after he died um and I didn't know I had hearing loss it happened so I've got a hearing aid in one ear and so weirdly in the last sort of year sounds become an important part of my life and I seem to have like especially with the oxygen machines like the sound of the oxygen going round mm. i can still hear and also he used to because it was really difficult for him to like it felt like his lungs were blocked all the time mm. so he used to like not cough but kind of clear his throat yeah. and weirdly when i was on the train on the way here there was a man who kept doing that exact like <clears throat> like yeah. the whole time and it just really reminded me of my dad so it's like it's like, yeah, sounds have stayed with me. That's really interesting. I wonder if there is something to do with your hearing or something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I don't but... know if it's just because I'm thinking more about sound. Yeah. But, or yeah, if because... but it's so nice to remember him well looking. Yeah. Now, because for so long it made me so sad to... I think that's really... I think that photo's a really nice idea because you do get... Because that's where the trauma was. Like, they were sick and they were ill. And then, like you said, it, it, your life becomes hospitals and oxygen machines and what medication when do we need to like and it very quickly takes over a whole world that wasn't there before mm. so it, it, I definitely found it helpful to just and it happened yeah it just sort of happened over time I was like oh yeah he used to do that didn't he that was before he was ill and my dad was ill for like two months you know it was hardly mm. any time but it just was like seared into your brain and I, I it's stuff I've read on like PTSD again that's like that's what happens you can only remember the the, the trauma because your brain is still going what the fuck just happened mm. so it's like it's a nice place to get to <laughs> I, I actually like made a conscious effort to surround myself with photos of him mm. from when he was well so I've got like on my dressing table I've got like photos of him holding me when I was a baby oh. and like photos of him with me as a toddler as well as more recent because the yeah that image of him ill like I couldn't stop thinking about and I hated it so I like really made a conscious effort to like try and remember other things and actually it really helped 
me get that image out of my head but also start remembering like fun things yeah because initially you only remember horrible things or like the last thing he said to me weirdly was I would I went to see him on a day that I wasn't going to be able to see him. So I wasn't going to be able to see him before my hen do. And I wouldn't have seen him for a week. But then I think I had an audition or something. It was cancelled. So I did go and see him. And otherwise I wouldn't have seen him. And we spent like the whole day together. And I like we, like helped him do some stuff on his new iPad. And, um, and he was having really bad um, muscle pain. Which now I'm like, I wonder if his, his, his organs like mm, yeah, shutting down yeah. a bit. But so I'd like organized his pillows in this like weird way where he was like sitting weirdly, but it made him feel comfortable. And we just spent the day like chatting and watching TV and doing stuff on his iPad. And then he got really upset. Like the last few times I went to see him, every time I left, he got upset. Mm. And I remember that time. Oh, I might cry now. I remember that time he did get upset. And I was upset, but I thought, no, I don't want him to feel up, you know, I want to make it feel fun and nice. Mm. So sometimes when he was upset before, I'd go back then again and hug him and say bye and sort of have a little cry with him. But this time he was upset, I was like, love you, Dad, see you sit like all chirpy and hugged him. And then I walked away and he shouted, I love you, Sam. And that was the last thing he said to me, which is an amazing last thing to say. Um, oh, I thought I'd get through the whole thing without <laughs> crying. Um, but so what is lovely is I'm really happy that I was chirpy at the end. I'm really yeah. happy I did that. And I'm really happy that that's the last thing he said to me. Yeah. <laughs> so at least I can't fixate on doing something wrong there. <laughs> There's plenty of other things I've said wrong. In the past, but I think that's amazing. That. I think that's amazing. That's really lovely because it's you don't know, like you don't know when your time is, or Ooh. you know, all of the stuff. You don't know when your last words are to be with somebody, and to have that with your dad, I think, is and that he was also Ill, so ill, but still able to communicate with you. Like that's, mm. and it it sounds like. I always think it's like picking pearls out of shit. It's like there's you have to find those little tiny moments and be like, that was a really good moment because they're surrounded by so much pain mm. and it's as worth celebrating as much as the pain. Like they, they don't take away from each other. They don't diminish each other. They're just both there that he shouted, I love you, Sam. And that, that was, you know, didn't you left both thinking, yeah, I know that. And I know he loves me and I, mm. he knows I love him. Like that's... If you can have something in all the pain, <laughs> it's to hold on to, I think, is it's like a bit magic, isn't it? Mm. Oh, my God. What was his name? I didn't ask. Chris. Chris. Christopher. Christopher. Oh, Sam, thank you so much for coming to talk to me. That's all right. About lovely Chris Baines. Was it Chris Baines? Yeah, Chris Baines. Thank you. You can follow Sam on Twitter at Samantha Baines and you can also listen to her podcast, Periods, Amazing Women in History, which you can download from all the usual podcast places. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Griefcast and you can email thegriefcast at gmail.com. Music was provided by The Glue Ensemble and the show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. And remember, you are not alone.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 